0: All right, thank you for joining me in this episode of The Gospel Truth. I'm your host, Marlon Wilson, and we have another fantastic show for you today. We have a great debate that we're about to have today. And we're gonna to talk about the pre-rapture. Is it true? Is it biblically true? And that's some of the stuff we're gonna be discussing. Uh, I have Mr. Nick Sayers with me and I have Jonathan Singleton with me, and this is gonna be a fantastic debate. If you are a fan of eschatology, you do not wanna miss this debate. If you're not so much a fan of the subject of eschatology, this is a subject, this is a this is a debate that you do wanna see because it can get you interested, more interested in the subject. Uh, a subject of eschatology. But before I bring the guys in and we get this debate going, I wanna make sure you know to subscribe and hit that notification bell to Gospel Truth. That is the only way that you're gonna stay in the loop with the Gospel Truth, that is the only way you're gonna get notifications of the debates, interviews, and commentaries that I have in store for you. All right? right, And also, if you don't know, all this content is not only on YouTube, but Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So TikTok, I do little response videos, Instagram, Twitter, I do low response videos, chime in here and there, Facebook, I decide to stream today's debate on Facebook, so if you're on Facebook, you are getting this stream, so hopefully you get involved the conversation, debate, the whole nine, alright? Also, all this content is on podcasts, so if you have, rather just listen to the audio, you do have that audio play, audio option there, so flow over to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify to enjoy the audio preference for you, alright? And as always, I do have some shows here coming up in the future that I do want you to be a aware of. All right. Let me pull up this slide right here. All right. Coming up after this debate, I have Matt Slick and Hope Man. They're going to be jumping on on to the gospel truth. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person. That is the topic of that debate. So I hope that you are looking forward to this one. Then after that, I have an interview. I have a duet interview with uh, Dr. Tom Buck and Gabriel Hughes. And Gabriel Hughes, if you don't know who that is, uh, he is the voice behind uh, When We Understand the Text." So we are going to jump on, and we're going to have a subject matter of everything Calvinism, uh, if you've been following this show for any decent amount of time, uh, this platform, you know that I like to do these segments where Calvinism is critiqued and criticized and thrown under the bus, the whole nine, right? This is you guys' opportunity to throw some very, very hard questions at the Calvinists. Uh, uh, so that debate, that sorry, that interview will be coming up here soon. After that, I have another debate, free will and knowledge. Uh, This debate is concerning free will and knowledge. Is it compatible, uh, the free will of God and foreknowledge, right? And so uh, hopefully you guys will be looking forward to this one. If you like a debate that's more in the realm of philosophy, this will probably be the debate for you then after that, free grace or lordship salvation. I have Seiko Woods against Sean Lazar. And so this is gonna be a great debate. So hopefully you guys will be looking forward to it. Please do subscribe, hit that notification bell because once again, that is the only way that you guys are gonna be able to stay in the loop and engage with what the gospel truth has going on, all right? All right, that said, I am gonna bring my guests in. As you know, these two has been on before. And so these guys know the rules and know how to get down on the gospel truth. So I'm gonna bring these guys in we can get this debate going and allow these guys to introduce themselves. How you, how you guys doing fellas?
1: Doing great. Good. Thanks, Mel. All
0: right. So Nick, how is uh, uh, Sydney, Australia treating you, man? How's it looking over there?
1: It's a beautiful city. Um, I'm just visiting here at the moment. Uh, I'm about a thousand K south of where I usually am, but that's a uh, beautiful weather. It's about 27 degrees Celsius uh, beautiful um people here and um i'm looking forward to this debate
0: all right so celsius if in uh, fahrenheit i believe if i do the math right i think fahrenheit is 35 degrees more than whatever the celsius is so if it's 27 degrees celsius that'll probably put put you potty about mm, close to 65 70 degrees fahrenheit over there something in that realm so yeah i know my math man i'm a power plant <laughs> Power plan operator, I gotta know that kind of stuff, but nonetheless, <laughs> thank you, Nick, for joining. Man, I'm gonna give you a chance to introduce yourself, man. Go ahead, and tell them what you do your YouTube channel, blogs, whatever you do, man. Go ahead, and let them know what you do, man.
1: Yes, so I'm usually, um, usually I'm involved with debates, uh, um, around the King James um, issue, and so I'm usually defending the Texas Receptus and the King James, and so um, I thought I'd throw my hat in the ring, um, with eschatology, and so it looks like um, a few people have. Uh, offered me other debates. And so it looks like I'm going to be doing about four or five debates in the coming months on eschatology. And so, uh, but I've believed in the uh, pre-trib uh, position for uh, most of my Christian uh, life since 1995. And so, um, but I usually uh, am involved with street preaching, evangelism, um And I have lived in Pakistan for a year, which was really amazing. I'm married to a Pakistani uh, Christian woman. And um, I've been to Papua New Guinea many times as well. And oftentimes I'll preach these last days things on the streets. uh, And people are very interested in that type of thing in Papua New Guinea. Um, But apart from that, I'm a pretty simple sort of guy. And so, um, yeah, that's me. That's what I do.
0: All right, cool. Thank you, Nick, for joining us, man. And Mr. Jonathan, what's up, buddy? I'm going to go ahead and give you a chance to introduce yourselves, man. Tell them what you do, man. Tell them where you're from, blogs, YouTube, whatever you do. Tell them what you do.
2: Hey, everybody. It is great to see you. Thank you, Marlon and Nick, for both being here as well. I'm in Southern California. Um, I've been on here one time before, had a great time, and that is why I'm back again. And I mostly do ministry on Facebook, just with my name, Jonathan Singleton, if you want to find my posts. I am very interested in getting even more into this topic. And as I discovered pre-wrath a few years ago, um, I dabbled with it a little bit, but as I continued to dig further and further, I've just been really edified by this topic and I love to just get deep into eschatology because I definitely believe that the Lord wants us to understand this topic and, That's why we're here tonight. So I'm excited and feels good in here tonight. Everything feels good. So I'm ready to get into it
0: All right, good stuff I am ready to get after it as well, man. So once again, the topic of this debate is Does the Bible Teach a Pre-Wrath Rapture? Uh, Nick, you're arguing negative. Jonathan, you're arguing affirmative. And we're going to start off with 10-minute opening statements. We're going to follow that with five-minute rebuttals. And then we're going to have 40-minute cross-section of both parties. to get 20 minutes each to ask questions. Then we're going to have five-minute closes. Then we're going to have a 30-minute Q&A at the end of the debate. Sounds good? Sounds good. Very
1: all good. All right.
0: All right, all right. Jonathan, you're up first for your 10 minute opening and let me set your time up real quick
2: right before i start i just want to give one quick shout out on the second line of the description of this video there is a really good pre-wrath rapture playlist by a channel called what does jesus teach please click on it save the playlist it's really edifying and it's a very deep dive into the topic just wanted to give that quick shout out before i started because it really helped me out a lot as well
0: All right. All right. Definitely. Definitely. All right. I'll start your time as soon as you begin to speak, Uh, Jonathan.
2: Sounds good. So before I explain the doctrine of the pre-wrath rapture and prove that it is biblical, let's go over some debate theory as well as the framework of this debate. And I'd like to do that just by looking at the topic And what the title is right now, does the Bible teach a pre-wrath rapture? The negation's job in this debate, due to the fact that that's what the debate's called, has nothing to do with providing a positive case for an alternate rapture theory. This debate isn't titled like pre-wrath versus pre-trib or post-trib or preterism. Their only job as the negation is to critique my positive case for a pre-wrath rapture, and my only job is to build uphold and extend my case sometimes debates can go a little sideways with getting into tangents but this is strictly a positive case versus the testing of that positive case so with that being said like let's say my opponent provides a case for pre-mid or post and both of our cases look solid but they don't clash the opponent would be guilty of a common debate flaw known as two ships passing in the night which means that there wouldn't be any clash in the debate which destroys the educational value and the intent of the debate as well. And that's pretty much how I wanted to summarize that idea as well. Also to say that from both me and the negation, potential cross-examination questions are limited to what is mentioned in the first constructive speech. A lot of time debates go sideways that way as well. With all of that being said, and founded and established. The pre-wrath rapture, which many of you probably are wondering what this even is and may not have heard of it. Unfortunately, it's not as big as I would like it to be, so let's get into it right now. The pre-wrath rapture doctrine is the belief that the rapture will happen at an unknown point between the middle and end of the 70th week of Daniel, which is the seven-year period commonly known by Christians as the tribulation period. This means that the Great Tribulation, which comprises the last half of the tribulation period and begins at the midpoint of Daniel's 70th week, which is also commonly marked by the abomination of desolation, will be cut short by the rapture as per Matthew 24, 21-22, which clears the way for God's wrath to fall upon the whole earth. And the purpose of the rapture is to save believers from God's wrath, as per 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Now, this pre look, at the timeline of Revelation is primarily made up of seven seals, trumpets, and bulls. The seals of the scroll from the Father's hand, being broken by Jesus Christ, represent events that will precede God's judgment on the earth, while the trumpets and bulls are acts of punishment in themselves and wrath carried out upon unbelievers by God. Now, the first four seals cover the Antichrist's rise to political and military dominion of the earth, while the fifth seal shows the church being martyred, and the souls of the saints as well, asking God to avenge them. And the sixth seal is described as a series of cosmic disturbances, such as the sun going dark, the moon turning to blood, stars falling from the sky, and a great earthquake as well. Now, in Revelation 6, this entire timeline, so, um, seals 1 through 6, are mentioned. And right after the sixth seal, the scene abruptly ends, moving completely off of the timeline of the seals for an entire chapter going to Revelation chapter 7, which is a vision to heaven that shows the saints redeemed from the Great Tribulation. And those saints specifically said to have been in the Great Tribulation as well in Revelation chapter 7. This is one of the most significant biblical signs in the beginning of our insights here in this speech, that the rapture happens right after the sixth seal takes place, and that the sixth seal is a sign that the rapture is just moments away, which means God's wrath is soon to follow indeed. Now, as we go through this, think of the sixth seal, the rapture, and God's wrath as three events that all have a strong and immediate interconnection. And Matthew 24, 15, now Matthew 24 is a chronological timeline of end-time events, but Matthew 24, 15 specifically describes the abomination of desolation, which is in the middle of Daniel's 70th week. And 14 verses later, in a chronological timeline, mentions the events we are covering, the sixth seal, followed by the rapture, and then God's wrath. And that's how we know the rapture happens after the midpoint of the tribulation. Now, Matthew 24, 29 through 31 in summary says, But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon won't give its light, and the stars will fall. And he, meaning Jesus, will send forth his angels with a great trumpet blast, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now, with that being said, knowing that that's after the sixth seal, um, and now that we've shown the rapture immediately does follow the sixth seal of cosmic disturbances, we will show that the rapture is followed by God's wrath. The first scripture that I really love here is Luke 17, 28 through 30 starting in verse 29 but on the day that lot left sodom it rained fire in brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all it will be just the same on the day that the son of man is revealed so this is a very important insight that the believers are rescued but before that the cosmic disturbances occur And then the wrath happens. We're going to look into Revelation 6. When you look at verses 16 through 17, I believe, it's the unbelievers wishing that the rocks would fall on them in the mountains. And they're saying that the great day of the wrath of the Lamb and of God have come and who is able to stand. So when they see the cosmic disturbances, they also know that God's wrath is imminent. So all these, um, basically everything connects together here. And I want to quickly take the time to clear up That the passages we are reading, especially Matthew 24, do not refer to the final return of Jesus Christ at Armageddon. And that is for three distinct reasons. The first is that Armageddon occurs at the end of the tribulation period, after God's wrath. The sixth seal is followed by the trumpet and bull judgments, and the sixth seal is not followed by Armageddon. There's basically just a huge gap in between, and so no timeline is going to say that those events are chronological, one after the other, with no gaps in between them. So we know that these passages are not referring to Armageddon, and since you know the first time is not Armageddon, we know this is Jesus returning and rapturing believers. Now, second, Jesus would not be educating saved disciples on the timeline of his final return in the battle of Armageddon under a pre- or mid-tribulation framework, because they would have already been raptured, like, unless he's just assuming they're going to go to hell, which he's, you know, not. Third, the rapture, because he says in John 15, 3, you're already clean because of the word I spoke to you, so showing warrants for that. Third, the rapture is mentioned to be on a day and hour that nobody knows, which does not fit Armageddon's timeline, since we know that the Battle of Armageddon will occur at the end of Daniel's 70th week. Definitely not a mystery there. Now let's go to the best proof text to establish that the rapture occurs after the midpoint of the tribulation. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-4 says that in regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that Paul doesn't want them to be disturbed to the effect that they believe that the day of the Lord has come. Again, showing that after the rapture, the day of the Lord's right there. Acts 2.20 says the same thing, that the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. So he says this hasn't happened yet. Now, in a you know, pre-tribulation rapture, just to give a quick contrast, there wouldn't be some kind of you know, argument like, oh, this has to happen first for a pre-tribulation rapture. They believe that the rapture is imminent, can happen at any moment. But Paul doesn't make this argument. He says it won't come unless the apostasy comes first, and to highlight this part, the man of lawlessness is revealed, who takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. We know that the abomination of desolation is being referenced here, and that has to happen before the rapture, unless you want to dispute that regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him isn't referring to that. But we've already ruled out Armageddon, so what event could this be referring to? I guess... Maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't, but that is definitely a reference to the rapture there. But the last thing I want to quickly mention is that the wrath of God begins after the rapture. It is not the entire seven-year timeline of Revelation, and a lot of people who believe that very strongly, they don't want to let go of it, but there's biblical evidence. Revelation 6, 9 through 11 shows the uh, martyrs crying out to God. And they say, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who live on the earth? So this avenging has not occurred yet. God's wrath has not occurred yet. And they are asking for it to occur. And they're told to wait a little while longer. They're not told it's happening. So going to Revelation 6, 12 through 17 as well. Just want to specifically read it um, starting in verse 16. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, after they see the sixth sign, by the way, this is right after Fall on us and hide us from the side of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath is coming. Who is able to stand? So we see this chronology of events. We see that sixth seal, and we know it's after the midpoint because um, in Matthew 24, 15, we see the abomination of desolation, and it's verse 29 in Matthew 24's chronological timeline that we see the sixth seal occur. So just think of it this way, everyone. We think of the sixth seal occurring, and then we get that rapture to get the believers out of the way of God's wrath And then god's wrath occurs so keeping the debate in this entire framework it's just really fun to and and edifying most importantly to see how these events in revelation play out i don't like how a lot of people emphasize that we can't really understand revelation or know what the bible's saying so let's be good bereans and let's work to understand it and thank you
0: all right all right thank you so much for that opening statement all right nick you're up first up second should i say for your 10 minute opening and I will start your time as soon as you begin to speak.
1: Okay, thanks, Jonathan, and thanks, Marlon. Um, One of the things is with the book of Revelation, a lot of people um, think the book of Revelation is a great mystery. Uh, It's very hard to understand. But when you put it in a chronological order, it makes a lot of sense. So at the end of chapter one, Uh, Jesus was talking to John and he says write the things which you have seen the things which are and the things which will be hereafter and so those are the three themes of Revelation if you look at chapter one he had seen Jesus he had eyes of fire and um all sorts of different aspects about him and so he wrote about that in chapter one then in chapter two the things which are were in John's day the, the seven churches so they were literal churches um, just like the Church of Ephesus and later, see that they were all literal churches, and so uh, chapters two and three have to do with the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter are uh, talking about from Revelation chapter four right to the end. Now there is a little bit of an interlude in chapter twelve where it does talk about history, the history of Israel, and talking about the Messiah coming through Israel, but it's only a tiny little part the whole thing is basically about the future so after you go through um the seven churches then uh there's a very interesting verse that says and um and i john um i was yeah he was standing there and he he saw um he heard a trumpet and um a voice saying come up here and immediately he was taken up and so what you'll notice in Revelation chapter uh, four, verse one, it has the words after this. So it says, after this, I John saw a door open in heaven, and, and a, um, a voice like a trumpet saying, "Come up here." And it says, um, and it says, the voice says, "I will show you things that will be after this." So in the Greek, it's the words Meta tafta. So meta appears two times in Revelation chapter four, verse one. Now this is the exact same Greek word that's in Revelation chapter one, where it talks about write the things which you have seen, the things which are the seven churches, and the things which will be meta or after this. So from that period on, to me that is a, a symbolic of the rapture. He's been he's heard a trumpet, he's taken up into heaven, and immediately he sees uh, a great multitude in in heaven. He sees the twenty four elders. Now, it has been speculated that one of those 24 elders is actually himself. Um, And we see all the way through in the book of Revelation, there is this angel who at times John turned around to worship him and he said, don't worship me. I'm of your brethren and I have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Worship God. So it's almost like this is a future saint um, showing John uh, these events of the future. Which, which is quite interesting. So that means that the resurrection rapture has happened already. So when you go through chronologically, um, Revelation chapter 6 all the way through to Revelation chapter 12 is talking about the first three and a half years of the what would be labeled the tribulation period. And we see that there are tribulation saints uh, in Revelation 6. There's uh, persecution against the church and they've passed away and they're asking, God when will you avenge us um, and what, what's interesting uh, we see that there are two witnesses in Israel who get raptured these guys get raptured I've actually counted seven raptures that happen in the book of Revelation now strangely enough I, I don't really gel on anyone called Peter Ruckman okay but strangely enough he he came up with the same number seven raptures um, I don't agree with him on hardly anything, maybe except for a, he has a King James position, as I do. Um, but I've counted seven raptures. There's 144,000 who die uh, and they're, they're praying to God. And then there's the tribulation saints. There's these two who get uh, raptured in the middle of the uh, tribulation period. And so what's interesting, if you go through from chapter six all the way through to chapter 19, and see it as a seven-year period of time, with chapter 13 being a a three-and-a-half-year midway period, it makes perfect sense. It makes chronological sense. And then you go back and you look at Matthew 24, you look at um, Mark 13, you look at Luke 21, it just makes perfect sense. And um, for me, I I see that the the wrath of God is already being poured out at the beginning of this seven-year period. Because um, people are, it says uh, pretty much everyone, it says, the kings of the earth, great men, rich men, chief captains, mighty men, every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and rocks of the mountains, um, saying to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So the wrath of God has already started at the beginning of this seven-year tribulation period. And, of course, we know that um, at the end of the tribulation period, the last three and a half years, all these uh, um, things are happening, trumpets, there's wrath being poured out on people, the wrath being poured out on on people who take the mark of the beast. Now, I believe during this time there is uh, a protection for those who become Christians during this time. And we would call them you know, tribulation saints. And there's also the 144,000. I believe that these people were unsaved before the rapture. But when the rapture occurred, they realized that something profound had happened and they became Christians and they are martyred during this uh, seven year period. But it, it does. Um, so Jesus said that we'll have persecution. And so this is what happens to these people during this time. They have persecution. I wouldn't necessarily say that they died from the wrath of God. And so that's got to be separated because it does say that um, there are certain things that don't occur to those who have the mark of God on their forehead. Uh, But it does say that people who take the mark of the beast, that the wrath of God's against them. And so um, God is specifically pouring out wrath on specific people. So I believe the whole period, 7 year period, is a time of wrath and so that's what the main theme of this debate is and so I believe the pre-trib rapture um, scenario fits in with Matthew 24 perfectly when we see the beginnings of sorrows this is I believe this is happening today um, where we see wars rumors of wars famines pestilences earthquakes in various places all these are the beginning of sorrows Um, and it also talks about persecution I mean there's more persecution today than ever before um, you know, I lived in Pakistan for a year. There's a lot of persecution that happens there. I've had family members murdered by ISIS, and um, you know, suicide bombers coming into churches and things like that. So this is happening. This is a reality. So a lot of people say, "Oh, people who have a pre-trib rapture um, position, they're just trying to run away from tribulation and trying to run away from persecution." It's like, no, we we believe, or I personally believe, that Matthew 24 clearly talks about these signs that will build up and then when it says they ask jesus what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world and so that word world can be the word age period of time if you're a dispensationalist you understand that and so this word age it's interesting jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations and then the end shall come so in verse 14 of matthew 24 it's talking about the end so that's the end of that dispensation then you'll see the abomination of desolation then there will be um huge tribulation then there will be all these things happen so that's not beforehand and so um To me, this is very clear. This is the same pattern that we see in Mark 13. It's the same pattern we see in Luke 21. And also we see a special feature in Luke 21 where Jesus said, when you see these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh, Uh, meaning that your deliverer is going to come and deliver you when they begin to take place, not um, at, at the end, not in the mid part, right at the beginning. Um, there is a church in the book of Revelation who is promised that they will keep, be keep, uh, kept from the hour of trial that occurs on the earth. Now, I believe those seven churches aren't periods of time. Some people say that. I, I think it's, it doesn't fit. But these churches were literal churches like the Church of Ephesus, Church of um, Thessaloniki. And so uh, we should adopt what has been said to them. And if we put our trust in God, he will keep us from the hour of trial that's going to come upon the earth this is called the day of the lord this is um the day of the lord goes for a seven year period of time but it is also uh specifically um a period of time at the end when jesus stands on the mount of olives so this is distinct from when he meets us in the air at the beginning of the 70th week of daniel and so um so yeah i'm going to be promoting the pre-tribulational uh rapture uh, against the pre-wrath uh rapture and so i think the pre-wrath rapture it muddles up the cr- the perfect chronologic uh, chronological timeline that's in revelation and i think it muddies the all right, water Nick, by time just right there. Of picking and choosing so thanks marlon all
0: right all right jonathan you're up again back in the sea for your five minute rebuttal and let me get your time. Uh, all right. And I'll start your time as soon as you begin to speak.
2: Sounds good. I'm going to go on case, then off case. So you can begin right now. All right. So in regard to the timeline, as far as pre-wrath versus pre-trib, uh, that is actually a very weak point for the pre-tribulation rapture. Because Matthew twenty-four fifteen in chronological timeline, which he tried to co-opt, is the abomination of desolation 14 verses later you get the sixth seal there were two separate arguments like main arguments being made by the negation that the sixth seal is before all these things take place but that's not in the chronology 14 verses later from the abomination of desolation you see the sixth seal take place so that means that the rapture is after the midpoint of the tribulation and it looks like the framework does extend as well it was not um refuted at all before i get back on case let's go over the direct arguments that were made by the negation there wasn't a warrant or like a basis for the seven raptures there were just a few examples of god dealing with different groups of people but what he needed to make a distinction between is the rapture of the church that is being referred to by second thessalonians 2 matthew 24 and revelation 6 going to seven seeing the church in heaven so that wasn't made by the other side, so they have, they're have they muddying the water and saying, well, we don't know which rapture is which, but what I've already showed is that. 2 Thessalonians 2, Matthew 24, and Revelation 6, they all line up and are talking about the same event that wasn't refuted by the other side, and that extends too. Um, there was an argument made that Revelation has a structure that's like linear straight through and that Revelation 13 is the midpoint. That's definitely not true when we see the um, Beast of the Sea and of the land like come up and we see the antichrist and the false prophet that's explaining a lot of what's going on in the fourth and fifth seal which is far before That's six or seven chapters before we see that illustration some things are magnified later in the book of revelation so that argument falls through too if even like there's even one example of an imperfect timeline if you just read it straight through there was also no link to the beginning of revelation 4 when uh, this messenger says to john i'll show you what's to take uh, place after Because what happened before that was the rebuke of the churches. So there's really, well, two churches did well, five didn't. But we see that there's no reference to a prior event, what must take place after, in reference to the chronological timeline of the seals, only to say that, like, it actually only says that it takes place After this vision to the churches, which means any time in the future, which means there's no concrete timeline for pre-trib made there. On the whole argument of the elders could possibly be the church, they have the prayer of the saints in Revelation 5, 8 through 10. They're not the saints, they have the prayers of the saints, and they're singing a song to the Lord that he has purchased people, not that he's purchased them, not that the four beasts and the 24 elders are within the church. They are celestial beings in heaven. They're talking about the church not including themselves in that category. So that and there's like no reference directly in the Bible where you can say the elders are the church. I guess maybe only 24 people got saved. I don't know why it'd be 24. Furthermore, let's uh, let's go to the next one. Yeah, Luke 21 was mentioned. This is an amazing proof text for my position. I'm actually very happy that it is mentioned. It directly mentions the sixth seal and says in verse 25 of Luke 21, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And then it says people will faint from terror. At that time, they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Which means the redemption, which happens at the rapture, has not happened before the sixth seal, but also that it is extremely close now that you're seeing this sign in the sky. But we know that my case is correct here, because Matthew 24, 29-31 has verse 29 saying exactly what this sign is. The sun will be darkened, the moon won't give its light, the stars will fall. Then it says in verse 30, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And then it says in verse 31, he, being Jesus Christ, will send forth his angels with a great trumpet blast, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. There was no damage done to the chronological timeline of Revelation 6 and the uh, six seal taking place after the midpoint of the tribulation or the chronological uh, flow of sixth seal, rapture, and God's wrath none of the proof texts were touched there. And I also want to mention very quickly that the Armageddon point wasn't touched too, but I hope we get into 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4, because it's directly about the rapture regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, which was not disputed by the negation. And that, the man of lawlessness has not been revealed to take his seat in the temple of god yet displaying himself as being god so we know because that sign hasn't occurred that this whole situation of the rapture has not taken place and for those reasons pre rats untouched
0: all right thank you jonathan for that five minute rebuttal nick you're back in the seat for your five minute rebuttal and i will start your time as soon as you begin to speak
1: uh can you hear me there Marlon?
0: yeah it looked like i lost your video feed though it's frozen.
1: Um, oh, yeah, there Can you goes. hear me there, Marlon? Yep, we so can I hear just you. It. A freeze there. All right. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, my opening statements weren't uh, a rebuttal, and so I'll just sort of throw that out there. Um, my opening statements are to create a positive view of the pre trib uh, rapture, and so, uh, and just and to prove that the wrath of God is immediately after that and it extends for seven years, and so, um, but here's some points that I'll bring up in this rebuttal. Um, that the wrath of God is already there in Revelation uh, chapter 6. So immediately after um, we see you know, angels in heaven. And what's quite interesting is these angels in, in heaven, um, in Revelation chapter 5, it says, And they sang a new song Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us um, to God. By thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, so the raptures already happened before the six seals, and so um, modern versions actually say, say has has redeemed them, but there's really it's slim evidence for that one. Uh, I'm I'm a Textus Receptus person, King James person, and so I believe the correct reading is us, and this can show the danger of um, theology being muddled with uh, modern versions. And so clearly the rapture has already happened. There's these 24 elders. There's a multitude that there are people um, they're saying that they've sung a new song and God has redeemed them already. So this is before the seven seals. Um, And so Matthew 24 is a timeline, but it does stop at a certain place and then goes back and describes certain elements of that timeline where um, some people just see it as all one huge big long timeline um, where you have uh, Jesus being specific saying well no one knows the day of the hour where this part is going to happen um, uh, he talks about um, how we should live accordingly um, knowing that no one knows that day no one knows the time um, and so he actually goes back and, and defines some of those points where I find the pre-wrath uh, um guys just sort of read all through all that as if it's just a uh, chronological sequence um the last trumpet um that would be the last trumpet would be something the believers hear the believers hear this trumpet it's the last trumpet for them not the entire last trumpet ever that ever appears on earth it's the last trumpet for those people who have been raptured that's the last trumpet they hear and then they're meeting the lord and so, um, and so, yeah. After, um, after wrath is not a problem with uh, the pre-tribulation um, position. So the abomination of desolation is not before the rapture. It's not like um, uh, Second Thess- Thessalonians chapter two is a sequence. It says the falling away shall happen first. And it's not like, and then second, this is going to happen. It's like there's going to be falling away. Then uh, another major event, but there's probably you know fifty other little events or other other things that happen in between that time. He's just highlighting, saying because um, they're thinking they're in the tribulation period, and so he said, look, there's going to be a falling away first, and the, the, the antichrist has got to come, abomination, desolation, all that's going to happen as well. Yeah, he's not going through all the the tiny little minutia of the book of revelation and it's not like oh that's the second thing that happens okay so he's just saying um the falling away has to happen first it's not like and second this is going to happen he's just saying that happens has to happen first and then by the way there's this abomination of desolation and all that other stuff that has to happen uh, battle of armageddon has to happen all these other things have to happen um, and so And so I think reading the six seals into everything is not warranted. If we understand that the seven year period of time um, of the Great Tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel, is from uh, Revelation, chapter four, verse one, all the way through to Revelation, um, chapter 19, and then after that's the thousand year millennium and things like that, we can easily see that that is the main timeline that we hang in Matthew um, 24 uh, Luke 13 and Luke 21 on that we go um, from that timeline not trying to squeeze the six seals into Matthew 24 or Mark 13 and, and trying to read into things because there are some things that happen twice there, there is tribulation in the first part of the great tribulation then there's tribulation in the second part of the tra- great tribulation that's why it's called the great tribulation um, but Jesus in Matthew 24 mm-hmm. was specifically talking about the first part
0: all right. So, um, All right, Nick, that's time right there. All right, thank you guys so much for the openings and the rebuttals. All right, so now we're going to transition to a cross-ex once again. This will be a 20-minute cross-ex, both parties to get 20 minutes each. A 40-minute cross-ex, both parties to get 20 minutes each to ask questions, starting with Jonathan. Uh, when you guys uh, answer your question, if you can just answer with a yes or no, if possible, please do that. You don't want to bog your opponent's time down. Uh, that said, Jonathan, you are first to cross-examine Nick. I think you're muted, Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan, I think you are muted.
2: Sorry about that. All right. We are good to go. All right. Um we'll get to 2 Thessalonians too, but first I want to ask about um your position on the elders and the four beasts being a part of the church. That is your position, correct? That they both of those groups are a part of the church.
1: Um, I'm not sure about the four beasts. I would say Personally, my view is the um, 24 elders are made up up of the 12 leaders, of the 12 disciples and the 12 um, patriarchs of the Old Testament.
2: It seems like you referenced the song that they're singing in Revelation 5, 9 through 10, and you're saying that it's both the four living creatures and the 24 elders uh, being included and including themselves in this song as per the KJV translation, correct? Because it can't just be the 24 elders. It'd have to be both according to verse um let's see eight right
1: okay so um
2: i can read verse um yeah i'll I'll read it for the audience too i want them to know what we're talking about verse eight of revelation five says and when he had taken it the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and then they had a harp and a bowl full of incense and they sang a new song so you made an argument that the 24 elders are including themselves as being bought by god but then the four living creatures would also have to have been bought by God, correct? Because they're both the um, the speaker here.
1: Um, I'm not sure about that. They could have been playing the harps, um, and the. What if the 24 elders
2: and... were just playing the harps, and then the four living creatures were a part of the church? Like now, how do you make the distinction of who is the church and who's not if they're not all um, being included according to the argument that you made?
1: well someone he's been redeemed by the blood of the lamb out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation so who would that be um who it's would gotta be, but it, but would it be it the logical be, conclusion
2: it has to be both according to your argument like i i'm not a kjv only so i believe it's it's referencing the saints but with your position you'd have to believe it's both the four living creatures and the 24 elders the, like you get know what i mean there with that argument
1: um yeah but i i guess we're yeah. speculating that it is that both of them are are singing that, where um, the 24 elders fall down before the lamb. Um, And so it just says says they both do. It
2: it says they both do.
1: Yeah, it says they fall down before the lamb, but then um, it doesn't say that they all, um, they all were singing this.
2: It's it says and they sang a new song, but the subject in verse 8 was already the four living creatures and the 24 elders. So it has to be both, because there's not a distinction made between those two groups, which is why I'm asking you if you believe that the four living creatures, because this is a, you know, this is one translation, a one translation argument. So I think that, you know, most translations are pretty correct here that we have a situation where like the church is being mentioned that they were redeemed. But your argument going off of the KJV is that the four living creatures and the 24 elders are the ones saying that they were redeemed. So I just want like, you to admit that both of them are singing that they are a part of the church and redeemed because there's no distinction made between the two subjects. You got what I'm saying?
1: I, I would just say it's um, talking about a group of people and it's talking about these, um, these beasts. But it's saying they sing a song. It doesn't specifically say that the four beasts joined along singing. It just it's, talks but, about... But
2: the subject is both of them. It's the four beasts and the 24 elders fell down, and mm. then they sang a song. There's not a there's not a cutaway of another group. But I'll leave that right there because I just want to get to other things. Um, on that same subject real quick, for Revelation 7, 13 through 14, you would agree that the elders refer to... Um, well, never mind, you know what? We'll go to Revelation 19.7. So would you say that Revelation 19.7 has the elders talking about um, the bride in the third person? Like, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready, them not including themselves within the body of Christ in that statement?
1: Um, I'm just gonna quickly read that in the context. So, sure, verse right, six, no I heard, as it were, a great voice, um, sorry, a, a voice uh, of a great multitude, um, and the voice of many waters, as the voice of many thunderers, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And so this is a voice from the throne, um, and it looks like it's the 24 elders in verse mm-hmm. 4. So-
2: So so what I'm asking there is like with multiple distinctions that the 24 elders don't include themselves in the body of Christ and even in Revelation 5 that they're carrying the prayers of the saints, but the saints are noted as a different party than these, what I believe to be celestial beings. Like, do you have an example of the 24 elders being explicitly stated to be a part of the body of Christ anywhere in Revelation?
1: Um, I guess it's just come from um you know the 12 um the 12 apostles um of the lamb mentioned later on in revelation and things like that but um the some some people think the elders are just representative of the whole entire church um but i, yes. I, I specifically... i'm just not seeing...
2: yeah i'm just not like seeing the link there for those i'm not trying to be rude but i i'm just gonna try to track um to a lot of the like going back to the, some of the positive case first second thessalonians 2 Like, does your position say that, okay, there's something, like, the Antichrist has to take his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him? Like, does your position, like, do you believe that? No. Okay, so, I guess, why not? Because it does say, "Don't don't be frightened that the day of the Lord's come it won't come unless the apostasy and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Then saying that him taking the seat in the temple of God is the revealing of the man of lawlessness. So why scripturally do you not believe that, like just staying in this um, passage, why do you not believe the man of lawlessness is revealed before um, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him?
1: I guess it's like saying... um the end of World War 2 won't happen until um the the economy in Germany collapses and the Allied forces um all land in Europe um one happened during the war one was before the war so to me but there's still, it's...
2: Two, but there's still two separate events that both have to reach an end because like right like they would both individually have to happen like, would you say that they both have to occur before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him? Because he says in oh, verse three, it will not come unless the man of lawlessness is revealed. So if you don't believe that him taking the seat in the temple of God is his revealing, what do you believe his revealing is?
1: Well, it does clearly say the falling away will happen first. It's and But so, that is
2: an event that says will come first, but it says two events will come. The apostasy comes first, and then, in context, after the apostasy, the man of lawlessness is revealed. So those events are chronological, but they both are happening because they're a sign. Paul's making an argument to people that have not been raptured yet that the rapture hasn't happened until this happens, right? Like this This is an argument that the rapture hasn't occurred because a certain thing hasn't happened?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I think the so first thing he's talking about that yeah.
2: Yeah that would destroy the second enemies, thing okay.
1: because he makes a clear distinction he says the falling away first and yeah. that man is to be revealed so it's like like I was saying well, um
2: but why would it mention something that that won't happen before like if it would be very wouldn't it be confusing to say the apostasy will happen and then I'm going to mention an event that won't happen not in, not in the timeline and we'll kind of see like what people do with it like that's that's kind of my perspective there but i'll go to matthew 24 now so for matthew 24 29 when it says immediately after the tribulation the sun will be dark and moon won't give its light you admit that that is like the sixth seal right
1: um i'll just jump that's just that. a yes matthew or no 24. like that
2: that's just a yes or no question like do you believe that's referring to the sixth seal
1: Uh, Matthew 24, 29, I'm just double-checking that. That's fine. Immediately after the tribulation, yes, I would. Okay, so
2: when on your timeline of pre-tribulation does that occur? And if it occurs before the abomination of desolation in your timeline, why does Matthew 24, 15 show that the um, abomination of desolation happens then, and then 14 verses later? this occur so like what is your argument on the chronology of Matthew 24 if you're trying to take issue with the fact that the abomination of desolation happens before the sixth seal that's that's my main question
1: um because I think the chronological um period has finished around Matthew 22 and Jesus goes back and starts talking about look there'll be false Christ saying this and that there'll be um all sorts of other things and so then he talks about the timing and things like that. So it's not just a chronological order. He's going back and talking about specific things that happened in the previous chronological order.
2: So you don't believe that this is a chronological chapter then? You don't believe Matthew 24 is chronological?
1: I believe it's partially chronological.
2: That's very subjective. That's even worse than saying Um, it's not. Well, it's it's like,
1: well, so you want me to say it's either not, or it is where I, I think that it's, Um, from Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. Let
2: let me give a quick example then, just to make it more clear. Let's just quickly go to Matthew 24 right now. Um, So, verses 22 and 23 say, if those days hadn't been cut short, no one would survive. Do you admit it's talking about the great tribulation there in the second half of, you know, Daniel's 70th week? Just a quick yes or no for that one. Okay, so... Do you believe it stays chronological through verse 31? And if it doesn't, from verses 22 and 23, which you just said were chronological, where does it where does the chronology break from 22 to 31? If you don't believe that the sixth seal happens after the Great Tribulation, which you did admit was in the second half of Daniel's 70th week. Which verse shows a break in the chronological timeline from 22 to 31? Chapter
1: 23. Uh, verse
2: twenty-three. Matthew, sorry, Matthew twenty-four, verses twenty-two through thirty-one. We went through verses. So Matthew twenty-four, we went to verses twenty-two and twenty-three, and we agreed that verse twenty-two is talking about the great tribulation and people being martyred. That if those days had it been cut short, no one would survive. So my argument is that in verse twenty-nine, we admitted earlier that that is talking about the sixth seal. In my timeline, that would mean after the Great Tribulation, the sixth seal happens, then the rapture, then God's wrath. But since that is not your position, I'm asking, since we agreed that verse 22 is talking about the Great Tribulation, where from verses 22 to 31 does the chronology break to where your argument would be correct and this is not a timeline of the sixth seal happening after the midpoint, which would prove my case?
1: Where does the chronology well, break? verse 22 verse 23 there's a break and then it starts talking about other things um and then it talks specifically about some of the details that happened during that tribulation period
2: so you don't believe that false Christ will be in the great tribulation period
1: no what, I think what he's reverting back there? to Matthew 24 I think it's verse um eight where he says there will be many false um prophets and false Christ shall deceive many and that um that works. So that only happens um
2: that only happens once. There's only gonna be one period of time where false Christs are.
1: I, I don't think that there are gonna gonna be I'm pretty sure the um, false
2: prophets gonna rain down fire from heaven to deceive the elect in the you know during the fourth and fifth seals, though, right? Like you would admit that? It's, talk,
1: it's talking about plural false Christs. So that matches in with no no um, I understand the that. Early... No,
2: no, I, I understand that.
1: The beginning of sorrows, that's when that happened. So he's going back and reverting back to that and explaining that.
2: So in verse 29, when it says immediately after the distress of those days, do you agree it's saying after what we agreed was the Great Tribulation period? And if not, what period is it referencing?
1: Yes, it's definitely talking okay. about after the tribulation. Yep.
2: So you so you did just admit that the sun will be darkened, the moon won't give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken after. The Great Tribulation period, right?
1: After the uh, tribulation that is in Revelation chapter 6, yes.
2: So yes, that would mean that that Great Tribulation happens and then the sixth seal occurs, which would link to all of my arguments. So that's why I'm asking you about if you saw a break from verse 22 to 29. So 22, we admitted this is the Great Tribulation. 29, we admitted immediately after the distress of those days, boom, Six seal happens after the Great Tribulation. We both agree to that. And then, verse 30, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. So do you do you admit that is Jesus' return in which he will rapture the saints and that that's not Armageddon? And if not, what is that?
1: Because of the chronological timeline that I believe, um, there is a tribulation period at the beginning of the seven years and a tribulation period after the seven years. And that's very clear. The 144,000 get killed. uh, And so that is a continuous tribulation all the way through the seven years.
2: For verse 22, though, we did admit that that was the great tribulation. And 29 says immediately after the tribulation of those days, linking it to Revelation 6, which is... Cross-referenced in Revelation 7 that those saints that were killed were in the Great Tribulation period, though, right? So that event occurs before that sixth seal. That's why I'm making the argument that the sixth seal would be placed after the midpoint, which would mean that the rapture happens after. That's, that's ba- like, just to, like, fill you in, like, that's basically what I'm getting at there. But let me see if I have any other questions on... Um, I'm going to go to... Because we didn't get to the Armageddon thing. That's fine. We did Second Thessalonians already. Okay, I want to get to Revelation 6. So, it seems like your position is that you think the wrath of God has been going on for a while, and then people run to the rocks and are scared. But let me read the verse real quick, and I'm going to ask you a question about it. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the side of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their wrath has come, and who's able to stand? My question is, if the wrath that they're talking about has been going on for at least three and a half years already, which I believe we would definitely both agree to, it would have had to have been going on for at least the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel in either, you know, in your framework, why are they just now getting scared and hiding themselves? Like, why were they not scared during the first three and a half years? Like, why is it now that the wrath is, is making them afraid, but they were just like... Stone cold killers for the first three and a half years, not scared and not hiding.
1: Well, this is where I think you're squeezing in the the six seals into everything. To me, the six um, the the seals happen very early in the tribulate the first three and a half years of the tribulation, and so and the midway period in a chronological sequence is in Revelation chapter thirteen, where the antichrist is revealed. W- would
2: you admit that the fifth seal happens after the midpoint? that it's part of the great tribulation uh no you wait when do you think the great tribulation happens then if it doesn't happen at the midpoint
1: there's like i said there's two tribulations there's several tribulations the first one um happens here there's another one that happens um to uh say the hundred and forty-four thousand in revelation 14. but but the great
2: tribulation The Great Tribulation, just to clear up the confusion, the Great Tribulation doesn't reference the 144,000. I don't want that to be muddled, and it wasn't in any positive case. So I don't want that to get muddled in the cross-examination. But when talking about the Great Tribulation, which is the fifth, you, do you agree that the Great Tribulation talking about the martyrs that you see in heaven in Revelation 7, that that is happening during the fifth seal and that that happens after the abomination of desolation?
1: At times Jesus is talking about that. At times he's talking That's about that. The whole but I get a yes period. or no
2: on that one. I gotta get a yes or no on that one. Because that one's a really clear, direct question, and it takes your whole entire timeline into serious question, which it, it already is under. So do you believe that the Revelation seven saints that we see at, like have you know survived as far as keeping their faith in Jesus, that they were the ones in the fifth seal that are being killed? Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm.
1: Jesus was talking about that.
2: Okay, perfect. So you would agree that that happens after the Abomination of Desolation, right?
1: The Abomination of Desolation. Yes or no? Yes or no.
2: It, th- do you believe well, that it happens after the midpoint?
1: Um, I don't think that fits in with the chronological period um, in the Book of Revelation.
2: But but it's either before or after, though. Like it, it has to occur at some point. Like the Revelation seven saints, like they were killed in what is called tribulation. Like, it actually says Great Tribulation, I believe. What I'm asking is, does it happen before or after the midpoint? It, it's got to be one, well, I think, unless you believe it's at the midpoint.
1: I think the chrono- chronological sequence that's in the book of Revelation is very clear. Where the chronological sequence in Matthew 24, at times, he's going back and explaining certain things. But, but
2: we're talking about Revelation 6 right now. And we did go through that already. I'm confident what happened there. But we're talking about Revelation 6. And that Revelation 7 are the saints that went through great tribulation so what i'm asking is do you believe that happened after the midpoint of the tribulation and i've not got an answer yet for two minutes so do you believe it happened after Uh, or do you not believe it happened after
1: i i believe that there are several periods of tribulation anyone who dies in that period is experiencing tribulation but Great when did it happen
2: my but my but really like when did that happen did it happen before or after the revelation 6 fit seal does it happen before or after the midpoint of the tribulation
1: or during. it happens before
2: so you believe that the antichrist is killing christians prior to the abomination of desolation i've never heard that in any timeline that i've ever studied all right, uh,
1: all right. You you're speak. not listening to yeah. what i'm saying
2: uh, we'll All see. Right. You can ask me. You can ask uh, me questions.
0: That's time. All right, Nick, you're up for your twenty minute cross-ex of uh, Jonathan.
1: Okay, so why wouldn't you see the Book of Revelation as a chronological timeline um, from Revelation chapter four or chapter six, when the tribulation period starts, to chapter nineteen? Why do you only see it as the six seals?
2: My positive case is constructed. On the presupposition, you know, I believe backed by the Bible, that Revelation 6 through Revelation 8 is being mentioned. Because in Revelation 8, you're getting the trumpets. In Revelation 6, you're getting the beginning of the seals. So my case doesn't have anything to do with anything other than Revelation 6 through 8 occurring. So I, I don't think that links into my case at all. My case is that when you see the sixth seal happen, you get the rapture, and then you get God's wrath. But my timeline has to do with Revelation six being seals one through six. Then there's a break in chapter seven for the rapture. And then chapter eight is where you get the beginning of the trumpets. So my case doesn't have anything to do with any other timeline in Revelation. So that that is not a cross-examination question.
1: So you're actually just sort of making up your own um, timeline. No, I have a positive I
2: No, I didn't, no, no, no. I have a positive case that has to do with the timeline of Revelation six through eight I even said in the cross examination question that I believe when it's talking about the two beasts, I think it's referencing the fourth and fifth seal. So I, I'm not saying it's all the way through, just only chronological. But that doesn't have anything to do with my case. So this, so in cross examination, as I said in the framework, you have to ask me questions about my case. My case only has to do with Revelation six through eight. There's no, dis- there's no argument about that. So
1: yeah, and that's fine because it I want to... But you're oh, linking yeah. Revelations chapter uh, six, seven, and eight to other parts of Revelation, so I have to talk about those other parts of Revelation. Which part? And bring it back. Which
2: part did I? And so, what okay, so the hundred and
1: forty-four thousand die, and so this in the chronological sequence of Revelation, this is after chapter thirteen, so this is after the beast, after the Antichrist. God's not the author of confusion; He put it in a clear chronological order. So the hundred and forty-four thousand die. Would you call that tribulation?
2: the 144,000 dying could be con- well tribulation means pressure of course you could consider it tribulation but we never in any positive matter distinguished when the 144,000's pressure occurred in reference now if you oh, wanted to talk about that me. you could make a re- you could you could make a reference to the fourth or fifth seal but none was mentioned this has nothing to do with positive matter of the debate this this actually has nothing to do with my case
1: uh, it actually does, because the 144,000, if they've experienced tribulation, and you're saying the only time of tribulation is back at the um, the issue where it's the seal. I,
2: I said the great tribulation has to do with the fourth and fifth seal. I didn't even dispute anything about what happens with the 144,000. That wasn't mentioned in my case, and there wasn't a positive case by you constructed as to how we could make a distinction – about the 144,000th pressure and say, now there's enough confusion about that pressure mentioned, and we can now dispute Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians 2, Revelation 6, and now there can't be a timeline established. That argument wasn't made by you. There are no links of that. So even in the questions you're asking, there's literally no link to any positive matter. For the record, you could put some of that timeline between the fourth and fifth seal, but it's got nothing to, like guys, just watch the debate watch watch like what the positive matter was this has nothing to do with my case
1: okay so at the end of the day it seems like you only want to focus on a tiny portion of the book of revelation so um revelation chapter six and seven and eight perhaps and the rest of it is doesn't really matter um where that doesn't matter
2: it just not that doesn't matter but talking about if I'm trying to prove a certain case and most people, as I'm sure you would admit, do not heavily study the book of Revelation, I'm not going to throw like a million things at people. I, I have to keep it simple because people are learning about the different views. A lot of people don't even know but, what pre-wrath is. So I I did not place fine. any kind of but, burden we, on myself about what I have to cover. Only Revelation but 6 relevant is relevant to my, my constructive.
1: And so all, all I'm pointing out is a basic um premise that you believe that there's only tribulation happening uh in revelation uh chapter six and uh seven Th- and eight no, that's not anything could... that i ever said
2: i said matthew We're... 24 second Thessalonians 2 and revelation six is tribulation is the reference to the resurrected believe the the believers who have been glorified in revelation 7 there was no positive matter or any argument made for or against what the link to the pressure or tribulation is of the one hundred forty-four thousand? i I'm, i it's didn't smooth. even dispute like that at all we never talked about that timeline it seems like okay. this may be like oh I, I already answered so
1: well um when we look back at revelation chapter 5 so you okay. are basically throwing out the reformation text where it says he has redeemed us and you're going with redeemed um them so uh what what um, textual basis do you have for doing this when the vast majority of um, of texts talk about uh, has redeemed us unto God?
2: There's a lot of translations that don't have what you're saying. There, the KJV does agree with you. I don't really think it has anything to do with, like, uh, any argument other than are the 24 elders like a part of the church, but you didn't so want to go to full So who's your authority I I really don't like want to say the KJV is a bad translation, but I don't go off of just one translation. Like i go off of what most scholars believe. My problem with that though, was that the people talking are the four living creatures and the 24 elders, but you wouldn't admit that the four elders are part of the church. They're verse nine, everyone. Look, They and they sang a new song. Where is the break between yeah. the four elders, the 24 elders and the four beasts? being in that same group singing. So that was the so that I preempted that issue already. That was already an issue that um I I saw if you wanted to go with your KJV translation and you didn't because you didn't include the four beasts with the 24 elders and there's no break I, I in did. saying that now it's, we're only talking about 24.
1: And elders. so if you saw say um a bunch of Indian people um and you also saw a bunch of Croatian people and they grabbed harps and everything and then Um, It says, and they sang the Croatian National Anthem. Would you just automatically assume that the Indians are singing the Croatian National Anthem? Or that
2: they... There'd be a distinction made in what you're saying there. But when it says, like, let's, let's play the game here. I won't even call it that. Let's just read the verse. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. How do I make a distinction? If this is about the four living creatures or the 24 elders, wouldn't it make more sense to say that it's talking about both? And if not, where can I go in this text, in Revelation 5, to say it's only the 24 elders? Because that seems to be your argument. Where can I go to see the break between those two groups both being included?
1: Well, at the end of the day, this whole section, your theology is based upon um, the Westcott-Naw text, which is a Unitarian text. And so I I, I sort of major in um, Bible translation issues like this but there's and, no positive um, link
2: there, but there's no external positive link that the 24 elders are the church this is just saying that in one verse it seems to say that both the four living creatures and the 24 elders are saying that they've been redeemed but that's not in most translations and
1: you won't say okay so also, I'll, I'll just read this to you so it's like lose both ways the king james bible has it um if you look at the um bishop's bible it says has redeemed us to god the Geneva Bible has has redeemed us to God, um, and so the Great Bible has has redeemed us to God. Matthew's Bible has it, Coverdale Bible has it, um, Tyndale Bible has it. So you're actually going against the Reformation text. So to to um, to support your false teaching on but this, there, but there's no link being made to this argument. You have like, actually. Hey. Um, let's, also, it's, also, it's not. This, you have actually you, rejected also, I just the this has main text. To do with my case. Okay. And this you has
2: nothing to do with my case. This is your constructive argument that you're trying. No, this to has something to do with your it case. My case. It's not a cross examination. Y- yes, question.
1: you're just talking over me now and being rude. That's okay. All. Let's
0: let's let's so, let's let's allow let's allow Nick to get that question out, Jonathan, before you respond. Yeah. Let's allow Nick to get that full breadth of question out, so you will see exactly where he's coming from, and then that allow you to better respond to what he's saying.
1: And so, you you know, people say, oh, the pre-trib and stuff like that, it's only a modern uh, phenomenon. Uh, But what we see is this, what you have, and reading into this verse is actually a modern version issue. And so, which Bible do you go with? Which one do you say, this is my authority? Which Greek text do you say, that's it, that's exactly what it says? Which one do you go with?
2: I, I didn't make an argument on this like this has nothing to do with my constructive like it's not a question based oh, on my
1: absolutely this you did make an argument for this you brought up revelation chapter 5 verse 9 and i'm i'm asking so questions to, about it so
2: so to be to to be clear i made a rebuttal point in my second speech about it but but this wasn't mentioned in my constructive
1: okay it's not a,
2: it's not a question on my constructive that's not cross-examination you didn't dispute my framework either in my first speech where i said it has to be about the first constructive as well, which yeah, it's just not a question about my case.
1: Okay, so why would you insert in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, when it says the falling away shall come first why do you say that the, um, the coming of the Antichrist should have the word second there when it doesn't?
2: So you're saying that it would have to say the word second? I, my, my argument there is that it's listing two events that come before the before the day of the Lord comes, which verse 1 would be saying the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him would be happening to show that the day of the Lord has come. So my argument here is that Paul's saying it won't come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So my, so my argument to be clear there would be that the apostasy would be triggering this lawlessness and that people falling away to the extent that the Bible's talking about it is showing that the man of lawlessness is, is going to be revealed. So the, the, to answer your question that they would be linked.
1: But it doesn't say that that's the second thing. It says um, that the falling away will happen first. So the second Mm -hmm. event isn't the man of sin. Um, It doesn't clearly say that in the Bible, does it?
2: What, what do you believe is, because when it says you're it won't, asking me it, questions, so when it says the apostasy comes first, I believe that the man of lawlessness being revealed is the trigger of the apostasy. That the apostasy is the sign that the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's the that's the constructive argument.
1: Okay, but you, you, it doesn't actually say that the man of lawless that this man of lawlessness that's mentioned in um, verse three that that is the second thing that happens. It doesn't doesn't say that, does it? At all. what do you believe mm-hmm.
2: it's I I don't get what you're saying that it is saying so I don't know how to respond to what you're saying I don't know what your argument is what are you saying that it uh,
1: okay it's very simple so it says the falling away shall happen first then this man of sin will be revealed so but it doesn't say the falling away shall happen first then the second thing on the chronological timeline is this man it just says that this has got to happen first Then afterwards, this is going to happen. It could be the 50th. It could be the second. It could be the 90th. It's just going to happen after the first thing.
2: Oh, okay. I, I think that goes with my case because when it's saying that the day of the Lord hasn't come, but it's not going to come until the apostasy comes, and it's still saying that the man of lawlessness being revealed doesn't happen before that, we would still go one, two, three on the chronological timeline, that the day of the Lord hasn't come because this hasn't happened, And then this will happen after, you know what I mean? So that's, that's the chronological argument. And again, like I can't ask questions, so I'm not going to follow it up, but that's just what my constructive is there.
1: Okay. So, um, the, yeah, so I guess in a way, um, it is pretty technical to go through and think that the seals sort of cover the whole tribulation period that the seals cover pretty much the uh, to me you're just reading into the Bible these seals. I, it just... I don't think
2: it covers I don't think it covers the whole just for clarification. I don't think it covers the whole period. I think it goes I think that it goes until God's wrath and that the seventh seal occurs right before God's wrath begins and that the sixth seal happens right before the rapture. So I still believe that the trumpets and the bulls are happening before Armageddon and after um, the rapture, that they are part of God's wrath, I still believe they're in the 70th week of Daniel. So I I don't believe that the seals cover the entire seven years. I believe they do go past the midpoint, and that an unknown point between the midpoint and the end, where still the trumpets and the bulls have to occur, and Armageddon has to occur, that at a at an unknown midpoint, that yes, there will be a rapture, then, there, then after that, as Revelation shows, there will be the seventh seal, and then there will be judgment. So th- that's so where, where um, I would stand on that.
1: So where does it say the rapture is going to happen in Revelation chapter 6, 7, or 8?
2: So it doesn't directly say it. I did mention that in okay. my constructive. I admit it doesn't directly say it.
1: Okay. So I, I would say that that's a, um, that's a huge uh, blow against your, your position.
2: That's not, not a question, though.
1: Um, and so, uh, pretty much, uh, that means that you are reading into those verses that the rapture happens.
2: It's not a question. Um, I, would
1: yes say that no. Matthew, um, I would say that Matthew. 24 that that... The, I would say that Matthew
2: twenty four. I'd say Matthew twenty four is the basis of my case, and I'm cross referencing Revelation six. So it's not the main constri- it, That's not the main argument I'm using. I'm using Matthew twenty four, verse fifteen, talking about the midpoint and then 29 through 31 happening after as I went over in the cross-examination. So I I just don't want there to be a false implication that I was leaning on Revelation 6 and that I was ever saying it directly says it. I thought it was really interesting that after the sixth seal, we get the, um, the vision of those martyrs from the great tribulation in heaven, but I didn't make an argument that it's directly stated there. I made the argument that from verses 22 to 31 in Matthew 24 that there's a chronological timeline and, that, and that's what we went over in the other cross-examination. So for the record, that's the main and, part of my
1: case. And so actually, in, in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 13, so which part of the tribulation do you think, wh- where does that fit in your timeline? Is that in Revelation chapter 6, or where where is that? E- even though
2: it's not a part of my case, I'll still give an answer. I think that when it comes to the two beasts, we're looking at the fourth and fifth seals. I think that the um, power of... The Antichrist and the False Prophet begins around there, like when it talks about the death of one fourth of the earth um, in the fourth seal. I, I do think we're already seeing those beasts. And when it comes to the fifth seal, I believe that is after the midpoint, after the Abomination of Desolation, and, and um, the Antichrist is already in power, and false prophets are already uh, in power with him to uh, to basically like point people to the image of the beast, so that people will worship the image of the beast. So. I definitely admit that when he, when John is seeing those two beasts coming out of the earth and the sea, I definitely believe that that is giving reference to the fourth and fifth seal. My argument, though, is that Revelation 6 through 8 is purely chronological. So that, that's the backbone of uh, why I was going to Matthew 24, that those are cross-references.
1: Okay, so it does sound confusing because Revelation um, you know, 6, 7, and 8, or specifically Revelation 6... Then you go into chapter thirteen. You got to drag that back into. I'm not going six. To, I'm, not,
2: I'm not going to chapter. I'm not going to chapter thirteen. But like, if you want to ask about it, I I don't believe that after the the mass killing of Christians that are referenced in Matthew twenty four, like that. There's this other one. But again, I'm kind of going off track. Not even talking about my case now, too. So I guess you could just okay, ask so, a different
1: question. Okay, so um, what about the um the rapture that happens in. Uh, Revelation chapter twelve with the uh, the two prophets. Do you think that's mid um, mid trib? Do you think that happens at the beginning or at the end? Or and how would how, how would you prove that?
2: I I think it's just too off. I think it's a little too off because when we have the um, topic of does the Bible teach a pre wrath rapture, that is talking about like the general rapture of believers. When we debate okay. pre mid pre wrath or post, so I don't think that them being taken up to heaven is the same event so i believe if there is a different event uh, especially of them being caught up which i agree that happens i don't think that that links to um what we're talking about here and the reason why is because uh, and, well i'll say this the reason why i'm making specific references to matthew 24 second thessalonians 2 um those are the two main ones is because of the fact that that is the subject of the rapture that we're talking about. So a different rapture being brought up, it doesn't dispute what I'm saying. It's just a different event. So I'm not disputing the fact that they're caught up, um, like to be with the Lord. What I'm saying is that's just a different event than when, when most Christians talk about the rapture. They know that we're referring to pre-mid, pre rapture post, or preterism, and that we're talking about a completely different rapture and a completely different event that is not uh, muddied at all. It, it's made completely distinct.
1: Okay. Um, so you you you, won't, um, you don't want to answer that? That's fine? Um, it's it's so... just not a
2: part of... No, 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 I'm saying they're distinct and they're not muddied by Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians 2 or in Revelation. That since they're completely distinct events, they don't have anything to do with each other and no proof texts are, are like confused between those two events of different people being caught up. So that's why I don't think it has anything to do with the case. There's no dispute of any passage like, "Oh, this one ruins this timeline." Like they're just completely different. There so is actually
1: the- it is actually warranted because it is a rapture. Um I'm trying to relate that rapture with the initial rapture and to- you you're trying to place it in certain periods of time and I'm mm-hmm. just I just wanted to see whether it was post or um I, or pre I, I just don't believe, uh,
2: I just don't believe they're the same event is what i'm saying i just don't think it's the same rapture so it's not and
1: so um it would have been easier just to answer that and then we could have continued on with the conversation but
2: the um, the answer is that it's a different rapture so it's just not anything to do with the case it's just it's a different different rapture that we're not debating about it's a different one
0: all right all right guys uh all right Quite an eventful uh, cross-ex there, and I appreciate you guys uh, getting through it. Thank you so much. All right, so now we're gonna transition to closing statements. Remember, audience, um, get those questions in, because I think I only have like three questions so far. So make sure you get those questions in so we have about a 30-minute Q&A at the end of this debate, all right? That's it, Jonathan, you're up first for your five-minute closing.
2: Excellent, okay. So the few things I want to focus on are, first of all, when I was cross-examining Nick on Matthew 24, there were open admissions that verse 22 was talking about the Great Tribulation, and there was an admittance that this is directly referring to the saints that went through the Great Tribulation. And that in verse 29, that this happens after and that this is the sixth seal. With those admissions, I don't see any way that the sixth seal happens after the midpoint. So that's the main thing that I want to highlight. But with a lot of the main points in this debate, I feel like a lot wasn't disputed. But that, like the cross-examination spoke for itself, and I I really don't feel like I have to say too much. But as far as the entire timeline of Revelation 6 through 8, I don't believe that was touched at all. I think the shell of my case is, is pretty airtight because of the fact that there wasn't a dispute of the chronology of Revelation 6 through 8. And I don't have the burden of having to go to other parts of Revelation to try to prove my case. I just had to pick what I wanted to in order to prove a positive case. Matthew 24 is completely untouched. I was probably expecting an argument like this is talking about Armageddon, which is why I had a shell on that in my first case. So just for people getting education and the people I invited to this debate, that's why I talked about Armageddon there. but. There, there was no dispute about that except for, in my opinion, what were very vague references to um, because it's talking about false Christs, which could occur in both instances of before and after, because there are mentions of that in the you know, beginning of sorrows that could also happen after. It doesn't mean that we're flashing back to the past just because an event in a very, very general event could happen more than once. So Matthew 24, for that reason, it remains utterly untouched. There's the full admission that, Matthew 15 was the abomination of desolation and also at the same time that 22 is talking about the great tribulation and that 29 through 31 is talking about the sixth seal. So the entire chronology, the entire timeline of the pre-wrath rapture does remain untouched there. Second Thessalonians 2 still goes through because the apostasy and the man of lawlessness being revealed, I believe are very clearly linked. I don't believe there's a purpose to mention that the man of lawlessness is revealed if It has nothing to do with the argument of Paul speaking to this church saying, hey, you didn't miss the rapture because this didn't happen yet. Why mention another event? That has nothing to do with it if in a very limited amount of space in writing, you're trying to convince them that they didn't miss the rapture. And I believe those events are clearly linked there, that the apostasy is what's showing that the man of lawlessness is going to be revealed. Jesus says this in Matthew 24 as well. There's a great falling away directly included with the man of lawlessness being revealed. But Matthew 24 did all of the work there already. We we really don't even need to make reference to any other passage, in my opinion, there. But because we didn't talk about Armageddon, I can skip that. Um, I think it was also very very clearly shown that the wrath of God, um it starts at that sixth seal that people then run and say, okay, let's hide because now the wrath is starting. Uh, Revelation 6, 9 through 11, uh, the argument that the saints are now saying, how long, O Lord holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who live on the earth? That clearly shows, and I mentioned that in my positive case that that shows the wrath hasn't begun they had to wait a little while longer in revelation 6 11. so there's very clear evidence that the wrath didn't begin one thing i want to mention before we end is that i'll say this in the nicest way possible like the chronology on the timeline of pre-trib was was all over the place like there was no stated chronology by the opposition they never told you one time in this debate hey let like they mentioned okay things skip around a little bit in Revelation. They never put it together for you, not once. Not in the cross-examinations, not in the positive case, not in the rebuttal at all. There was nothing to show you where to go in Revelation. They did no work for you to show you what you need to do in order to see a pre-tribulation rapture. Whereas I laid out a very concise, very airtight, unmistakably solid case to show you, you can go through Revelation six through eight. Here are the six seals. Now here's the church that went through the Great Tribulation. We know that that happens after the sixth seal because Matthew 24, 15 shows the abomination of desolation. 22, as admitted by both sides, shows the Great Tribulation. Then seven verses later, we get the sixth seal. Then, one verse later, sign of the Son of Man. One verse later, rapture, then judgment. It was all laid out. It, It really can't be laid out any more than that. And honestly, just very thankful that this topic is coming to light a little bit more. Um, definitely study it for yourself look at every single thing I said another shout out to that link It's second from the top in the description what does Jesus teach he goes through a great situation there where he just goes through the you know the entire timeline makes other arguments as well go check it out thanks for coming
0: all right thank you for that closing all right mr. Nick Sayers you're up for your five-minute closing and I'll start your time as soon as you begin to speak
1: okay thanks Mylon. Um I think what we see here is um, it's quite strange. I'm mentioning other raptures that happen and trying to bring a case for the main rapture, but then I'm told, no, I, I can't talk about that rapture, um, and I can't talk about this other thing over here, and I can't mention anything after Revelation uh, chapter 8, and it's, it's just like he uh, is um, basically molding this argument, so I can't make my own argument where my argument was very clear and my um my argument is that god is not the author of confusion the book of revelation is divided into three parts and the seven-year period is clearly described from revelation um chapter 4 verse 1 all the way through to revelation 19. now if i'm coming against a timeline that he's mentioned of course i'm gonna have to go outside of his narrow choice of verses and build my case but unfortunately um as you you all could clearly see I was sort of muzzled from doing that um which I think makes um it didn't make for a great debate it probably would have been better to just have an open uh forum where we were just discussing things but at the end of the day um I think squeezing in the sixth seal uh, into the rest of the book of Revelation and into Matthew 24 um, the six seals and into um, Mark 13 and into uh, Luke 21 it, it muddies the waters and as we can see clearly the um, the choice of going with uh, has redeemed them or has redeemed us this changes theology it's huge that clearly points to a rapture happening before the, the seals uh, occur and so obviously this doesn't fit in with this um position and so it's like oh the king james is wrong there and so i see this all the time and so unfortunately uh this is just one of those places where we see um the bible version issue um destroying uh clear doctrine so bruce metzger he actually didn't like the uh pre-tribulation rapture doctrine and that's why there are certain omissions in the book revelation so um if you want to know more about that you can just discuss that with me later um, yeah, at the end of the day, God has shown us clearly in Second Thessalonians chapter two, it says the falling away will happen first, but that doesn't mean this uh, the second thing, it doesn't say, and secondly, this will happen. Where in other books, he does, he says, first prophets, second apostles, third, and he goes through a list and he mentions those numbers, but he just says, first, this is going to happen. Then, and it could be the 50th thing, could be the 90th thing, but um, clearly this doesn't fit in with their timeline. And so they're saying, oh, it's the second thing. And so that doesn't fit in with that narrative. And so when we look at these issues all together, we can clearly see that the wrath of God is being poured out on the earth from Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. It's being poured out on the earth right up until the coming of Christ and this is a period of wrath now believers can escape that um it talks about them not being um harmed from certain things because they had the seal of God on their foreheads and things like that and so God can make a distinction uh, uh, with who he is pouring wrath out upon but um so that would make my position a pre-wrath position and but at the end of the day this timeline is muddying up everything because if you think that Revelation chapter 13 is somewhere in Revelation chapter 6 that is confusion that's utter confusion and you would never read through a chronological sequence like that the the book Revelation is, is clearly chronological if you read uh from Revelation 6 1 through to Revelation 19 you can, you can clearly see because in Revelation 13, which I probably wouldn't have been able to mention, I would have been muzzled, but it's like it talks about there will be 42 months, three and a half years left. It, it talks about uh, the time, times and half a time in Daniel, which is three and a half years. That's going to continue on for where if you don't look at all these things together, it's all muddied and it's basically just focusing on the seals. Which is to me, it's um, it doesn't make sense. I, I can't I I can't see how you would ever come to this conclusion just from reading scripture alone. You would never get there.
0: All right.
1: That's my final statement there.
0: All right, thank you both for a wonderful debate and an energized debate as well. Um, It's it's all good though, because obviously you guys are both serious about your positions and I always appreciate a passionate debate. And so now we're gonna transition to our Q&A this is gonna be a 30 minute Q&A. Both of you will get one minute each to interact with the question, all right? And so let's get to our questions here. And this question is coming for you, Nick, first. So it popped up at the bottom of the screen. All right, question for Nick. If pre-trip is true, why does Jesus tell us he comes after the tribulation and not before? And why would the church escape the seven-year trip when we know all the apostles were killed?
1: I think it comes down to a, a problem that I hear a lot of people talk about is that the word tribulation, all the way through the Bible, it says we will we'll have tribulation. Even Johnny's like at the beginning of, Um, revelation he's like well uh, I'm your brother in tribulations and so um, but Jesus clarified that in Luke 24 when he said the great tribulation now if I was going to say a a massacre is going to happen well that happens all the time but if I said a great massacre and he clarified and said that you haven't seen before and you'll never see again so oftentimes I hear this whole thing oh Christians are going to go through tribulation all this sort of stuff it's like uh, yeah, I can I can understand that. But when it's talking about the great one that you'll never see before or never see again, obviously it's a, it's a mountaintop of tribulation. You know what I mean? It's something that stands out from the norm. And so um, that's why I would uh, go with that.
0: All
2: right, uh, Jonathan? I I personally believe that Adam is referencing when it was agreed to in cross-examination that Matthew 24, 22 through 23 both agreed that it's talking about the great tribulation that's happening you know in the second half of the 70th week of daniel that's that's why i believe he is asking this question as far as other mentions of tribulation i personally believe they're completely irrelevant if they're off case because on case it was completely agreed to that in matthew 24 that is referencing the great tribulation so i can just leave it there that work was already done
0: all right and here's a question for you jonathan all right. If the rapture is pre-rath, since unbelievers are killed by Christ at the second coming, and believers are raptured, who populates the nations who are deceived by Satan?
2: Oh, so that's a millennium question. Um, I haven't really fully gotten into the millennium research yet, as far as those things. So, yeah, that's I'm definitely going to get into studying the millennium, but that has yeah, that couldn't have less to do with my case. So, I'm not going to answer it. It has nothing to do with anything about a pre-wrath rapture. That's, it, it's a cool question. I mean, it's a nice question, but yeah, it's just irrelevant.
0: Nick, any thoughts? Um,
2: yeah, I think
1: um, the, the people who are being talked about here would be the people who survived through the tribulation. Uh, they continue on into the uh, thousand year millennium. Um, by that time, the saints of God rule and reign over the nations and we are like angels. We no longer procreate or anything like that. And, um, and so those, those people go through, uh, that thousand years. And at the end of that, there's another deception that happens. And so that's my take on it anyway. And so, um, yeah, that's what I believe.
0: All right. And here's another question for you, Nick. Noah and family were raptured during the universal flood. They don't know what is happening to the rest of the world. The tribulation affects the unbelievers. Flood happened after.
2: Not really a question. <laughs>
0: more of a More of a statement. <laughs> more of a he statement. directed it at Nick. So I don't know, Nick, if you want to interact with it, you can.
1: Um, I think there's certain key words like tribulation affects unbelievers here, assuming that the that God's wrath is tribulation. Um, sometimes these words can be um, conflated. Uh, when, when you go through this issue, you've got really got to define terms, tribulation, wrath, and, and things like that. And I'm sure Jonathan agrees with me on that. Um, and so, but we we see that um, there are many um, instances. We see Enoch, he was taken up. He didn't see death. He was taken up, he was raptured. Um, we see um, there are many types of rapture. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 24 that, uh, um, you know, the, about the timing of the rapture, that it would be sudden. Uh, they were giving in marriage, they were doing all these things, and then it suddenly came. And so, um, but yeah, it is a bit of a statement there, so it's hard to sort of give mm-hmm. an answer, but hopefully that helps you.
0: All right. Jonathan, any thoughts? I,
2: I believe that this kind of statement can be a good cross reference to what I mentioned in Luke's, I think it was Luke 17, 28 through 30. Uh, A very similar example, I think in Matthew they're mentioned one after the other. In one of the synoptic gospels they're mentioned one after the other. So I like it. Um, I think it is an accurate depiction of the fact that believers are kept safe and rescued and then the world is destroyed. So I think it's just as good of an example as Lot leaving the city, but I think some people get caught up with like, okay, Noah and his family are still like technically on the earth. But with the example of, they're both good examples, but with Lot, he leaves Sodom. So that's why I like using that one because the the believers are gone and then the wrath happens. So I think Luke 17, 20 through 30 is where I go a little more, but I see what this person is referencing. And I agree, like, it's not really a question. So yeah, it is what it is.
0: All right. And here's another question for you, Nick. A little more questions for you than uh, Jonathan. Uh, so Sayers uh, says the trumpets are just, what is that? Or just what, TGE? I'm not sure what, what's the that? The last I
1: trumpets of
0: it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what the, uh what the bre- just the last, oh, should probably put the instead of G. The T, it's supposed to be the. The last trumpets the saints hear, not the last of the seven. How can he say the rapture happens before the seals when there are no trumpets associated with seals?
1: Um, Well, I guess it depends on what your timeline is. Uh, My timeline is that there is a a call, a rapture. The dead in Christ will rise first. We that are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. So say someone like Stephen, he was getting big rocks thrown at his head and he saw the rapture. He saw um, Christ standing on the right hand of the Father. So he saw this event. Now, it hasn't happened for us yet, but he entered into a place called eternity. So he would have heard that trumpet sound, he would have turned around and seen a whole bunch of raptured Christians from the future. And so he was transported um, from that time to the rapture. And so that's the last trumpet that he heard. That's the last trumpet because it's for believers. It's not for the rest of the world and everyone else. It's it's for specifically who Paul is talking about. So hopefully that helps you. All right, Jonathan.
2: I, I would agree with Christina F. If I'm your name correctly, that there is uh, kind of this problematic thing with trying to say that the last trumpet happens before. Like I've I've seen that argument before, and I'm like, eh, yeah, I really didn't personally view it as strong. Like from a from a preacher perspective, just never really saw it as that strong. So like, kind of have the same perspective that you do on that. I do believe in like in my timeline, you get the trumpets after, but that the trumpet that is being referenced in Matthew twenty four. Um, doesn't really doesn't really reference the seven trumpet judgments, but that's like that's what I believe based on it. Because I don't believe they're ever mentioned in association with each other in any of the cross references, but yeah, you know, that's where I'm at on it.
0: All right. And here's another question. She didn't put who it was for, but let's read it, see see it. If there is only one resurrection of the righteous, how do we get another one seven years? What? another one seven years after the first one another seven years after the first one
2: i mean there are two resurrections mentioned but that's you know different for believers and unbelievers so i i don't know how to interact with this question i don't know if it's for me or nick i'm just not really sure
1: yeah uh nick yeah so i would say that there is at the white throne judgment those who have appeared in the resurrection which um comprises of many different raptures including um the the two prophets in in um, the mid of um the book of revelation talks about they get taken up uh talks about i believe pre-trib so they've already been taken up people who have died during the tribulation period one hundred they they've already been taken up to heaven and so um they're all part of the first resurrection so they are going to um be forever with christ with uh, in heaven and um the other ones in the in they are resurrected to judgment and so we will actually judge those people at the great white throne they'll stand before us with christ and we will be part of that judgment um and so that's at the end of the millennium reign, and so that's why it talks about the first and second resurrection.
0: Okay, all right, we have another question here that's for both of you guys. In John chapter 6, verse 39 to 40, uh, says that Jesus will raise those believers up at the last day. Uh, what is he? Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess not a question. Once again, he started making a statement, but nonetheless, uh, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I believe that when it's talking about the last day that it's referencing like the day of the Lord, which I believe extends like more than over a literal day. So I think it's talking about that. I guess that's all I can really say on it.
0: All right, Uh, Nick, any thoughts?
1: I think perhaps this is talking about the, the great white throne uh, judgment, where there um, there is, all, where all the believers are gathered together, and where all the where everyone is gathered together, and so. Um, but I'll I'll have to look into that a little bit more. That's just from a first glance. I haven't really um, worked out a, a position on that verse yet.
0: All right, and here's another question here for both. Uh, if any rapture happens before Jesus comes. Who would Jesus come to get if if the saved are in heaven already? Uh, Nick, you want to not give it a chance first?
1: Um, So I believe the rapture of the church happens. Then the 70th week of Daniel starts, which is a seven-year period, um, with the Revelation chapter 13 being a a three-and-a-half-year midway period. And so um, people are taken to heaven for seven years. Uh, some people, they're going through the tribulation that happens in Revelation chapter 6, uh, 7 and 8, and then um, there's also people who die after the Antichrist is there. Um, he's persecuting people to take mm-hmm. the mark. So all these people um, during that period of um, seven years get taken up into heaven, and then um, so there are actually different raptures, and probably the most um, popular or the most well-known is the two prophets, who get taken up in front of everyone. And every eye on the Earth sees that, well, You know, it's probably through television or internet. And so they see that happen. So that's a rapture that happens as well. And so uh, it's not just the one event. The, the main one happens at the beginning, but then there are these other events that happen during that seven years. All right, Jonathan?
2: Yeah, I don't really have a comment on this one. I, I just don't think it interacts with my position.
0: All right. And here's another question here for Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan does believe we are raptured at the second coming, correct?
2: Yeah, the rapture is before the final return of Jesus. So it's after the sixth seal, before the wrath of God begins, at an unknown point after the midpoint of the rapture.
0: All right. Uh, Nick, any thoughts?
1: Um, I would say that there are the main rapture happens before the seven years um, so um, I would say that Jonathan um, he's pre-wrath so he believes that the second coming will come after there will be a rapture and a time of wrath and then there will be a second coming so I wouldn't link these two in Jonathan's position as far as I'm aware
0: all right all right all right and here is a, another question here and i think this is a two-part question for jonathan interesting all right it's part one Revelation chapter two verse uh chapter two and three in to the seven churches with he who has an ear let him hear what the st- spirit says to the churches and this is part two of that same question Yet revelations 13 9 reads, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Isn't this evidence the church is raptured long before the bowl the bowl of judgment pre wrath?
2: This person is not making any type of identification in the second part of their question as to who's being spoken to. So I I don't know. Like maybe they're trying to what they're trying to imply with the second part. Like if that's to the church too, but since there isn't any type of identification and no context given to Revelation 13 9 and I don't have that verse memorized um, I yeah I just I don't think they're really making an argument I can respond to because they're not solidifying like oh these are both to the church so like who is it to now like I believe Revelation 13 is speaking about near the fourth and fifth seal So that's why I just don't think right away it does conflict with my case. And I I do think that Nick and I covered that in one of the cross-examinations. So yeah, for the record, when it's talking about the two beasts, I don't think that that's at a period after the, like after, I think that it's talking about when Saints are being persecuted. So that's pretty much what I have there. I wish there was just a little bit more of an identification of what the argument is.
1: All
0: right, uh, Nick, any thoughts?
1: Yes, yeah, so I would say this. The seven churches are just like reading little books to the Church of Ephesus, the Church of um, Philippians, Thessalonica, that these are um, these little snippets of the seven churches are relative to everyone in the church age. And so I, I could read any one of those and get edified or get rebuked or think, oh, I'm doing that. That's fine and so it says the spirit says to the churches uh when when we go through revelation chapter 13 it's talking about the mark of the beast it's talking about um the beasts and um the false prophet and everything like that so um i think there are parts in the book of revelation because once the i believe once the pre-tribulation rapture happens people are going to grab the book of revelation and use it as a a timeline a map of what's going to happen and so They'll uh, come along to this point, and it's saying, you know, um, if you have ears to hear, uh, let him hear. So this is uh, this is like Jesus saying, you know, um, think about this. It's not d- don't just skip over this part. This is very important because it's involving the mark of the beast. Uh, it's, it's involving uh, your your eternal life here. So um, I would I would suggest that these things are not really related.
0: All right. All right and i guess this would be the final question because it is the last question oh, yeah? and it's for jonathan uh oh, isn't is the last trumpet paul talks about simply the second trumpet blast from the same trumpet in the book of joshua not the seventh trumpet in revelation
2: i don't really know how those two would be linked and there's not really substantiation for that argument but i would just say like just not even familiar with that argument being made so not sure how to answer it just because i've never heard that argument before
1: all right
0: uh nick any thoughts
1: yeah so i would say that the last trumpet um paul's clearly talking to to christians and he says at the last trumpet this will happen and so to me this is the the last trumpet that they hear in that particular age or that dispensation and so um the, it's clearly talking to that audience the last trumpet that they hear is Christ saying you know come up here um and uh, he's with the uh, trumpet of uh, God and the voice of an archangel and so um that I don't think that has anything to do with the, the trumpets in the book of Revelation um except for the one in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 where it says the voice like a trumpet saying come up here which is um the meta tafta thing I was talking about earlier and so hopefully that helps.
0: All right. So this will be the last question, guys. That's right. here. All right. My last question was asking where were were they both put the last days as John chapter 6, 39 to 40 says that this day will believers be raised. So how can a last day be before tribulation or before the wrath? I'll, I'll start this off
2: a little bit. I mean, last day. When we look in light of the fact that there will be a new heavens and new earth and we'll be like with the Lord forever, last day doesn't really make sense in that context. So it's just referring to a period of time. So this is referring to the period of time where believer, you know, talking about the resurrection that does happen at the rapture and then the day of the Lord begins. So That last day, I believe it's saying like the last like the transition to the day of the Lord like that i believe it's saying that the day of the lord is considered to be that bridge between the rapture and then god's wrath because we get other references like in philippians 1 6 like he's confident of this very thing that he began a good work and you will do it until that point so when you reach the last day that's the rapture then the day of the lord don't believe it's a literal 24 hour period so hopefully that answers this question from my perspective
1: all
0: right Uh, nick any thoughts
1: Yeah, so I guess like say someone like Stephen, he was dying. That was his last day, and so but he was raised up the last day, and so he would go in the pre-tribulation rapture. um, And for some people who have been, like say for the one hundred and forty-four thousand, when they get killed, that's their last day. So it's um, for most people, it's going to be their last day when they die. Um, They're going to be taken up, but but it doesn't specifically mean that. because there are different resurrections that happen. It doesn't specifically mean it happens only at the first rapture that happens. I believe that it's a collection of all those gatherings, and then the final gathering is at the great white throne, because we still have the millennium between those times where people are going to be damned or they're going to be saved. And so I I think all that has to happen after the seven-year period as well.
0: All right, all right, all right, guys. Good job, excellent debate, and I think that I think my head is a little bit more swollen. Um, the, the the pressure has uh, exceeded the maximum limit. You know, so Um, it starts to ooze out a little bit. No, good Um, job, guys. You guys did an excellent job. And I appreciate you guys for uh, coming on, man, uh, and putting on a great debate. And I'm sure the audience was definitely pleased with the information. Uh, And hopefully, you guys remember out there in the live chat that the link to the study of the pre-wrath is in the description if you're interested. And if you want to know more about Nick, uh, I believe we can go to your YouTube channel, right, Nick?
1: Yeah, it's uh, if you just type in Nick Sayers and debate or Nick Sayers revolution, uh, you'll get there.
0: All right, all right. Any additional spots you want them to go visit your content at, Jonathan?
2: All good. I'm just on Facebook at Jonathan Singleton. So that's how you can get at me, whether you want to debate me on this topic, just in Messenger, or you just want to read my, like the posts I use to edify people. So, like, obviously, all to the glory of God, like, thankful for what he's establishing and. I just want to keep on doing it so if you want to be a part of that and see it then just check me out on Facebook really don't have anything else right now
0: all right good all right guys all right all right I'm gonna let you guys go and enjoy the rest of your day over there Nick uh in beautiful sydney Australia and Jonathan we're, we're I'm with you on the east on the west coast man so <laughs> you go ahead and have oh, a blessed one man enjoy the rest of your evening enjoy the rest of your day God bless you guys I'll talk to you
2: soon all right thanks smiling all Bye right, guys. Thank you both for
0: being here.
1: Thank you, guys. All right, all right. Cheers,
2: Joel. You too.
0: All right. Good stuff, guys. Another d- d- great debate in the book. Um, I pray that you guys out there are blessed by this debate. Um, and uh, eschatology, as I was saying to, uh, I think I was saying it to either Nick or Jonathan, one of the two, before the debate started, uh, eschatology could be a very d- difficult subject matter uh, because there's a lot that go into it. And because there are so many of the positions. like you know you can you get into some theological positions, maybe one or two positions. and so it's not that difficult, you know to to gather the different perspectives. But when you talk about eschatology, there is just this plethora, this broad, very broad uh, positions that people take. you know And then you have the additions of people just sort of crafting their own positions. A little piece of this one, a little piece of that one, a little piece of this or that one. That one, and I have my own eschatology, you know. So um, it, it can be a very cumbersome uh, subject matter, but it is definitely a blessing when you do understand eschatology. It's definitely a blessing when you are diving into it, because the end times is pretty much what we're all looking forward to, right? As believers, that's one of the glorious things that uh, the hope we have in Christ, right? Is that we are able to take hope. And this is not a hope that, oh, I hope Jesus saved me, or maybe he will. No, this is a definite hope, right? We have a hope in Christ that he is definitely do what he said he's going to do, right? And at the end of it all, it's about his salvation, right? He is going to save us and he's going to punish the wicked, right? And if you're a believer in Christ, you want Christ to punish the wicked, right you want christ to be a righteous judge right and he's going to do that and that is all what eschatology is about in times right when it's all said and done the great white throne the whole nine right at the end of it all we want christ to be glorified uh in his judgment and his, his saving of his people and uh i pray that you guys jump more into eschatology and see uh what position you tend to land on all right that said, I'm gonna get out of here. And remember, make sure you guys are looking forward to the different shows that are coming up here in the future. Uh, And the only way you can stay engaged is if you subscribe and hit that notification bell. That is the only way you can stay engaged with the God Truth, the shows that are coming up uh, in the future, the interviews and commentaries, right? Check out the commentaries, right? I'm trying to put more up. I just did one on um, a father who saw his son as a trans for the first time uh, after he disowned his son. Right, so check out it, check out the commentaries. That is a new video that's up. So make sure you check it out, right? But that said, I pray that you guys have a blessed evening and I look forward to seeing you next time on The Gospel Truth. Remember, The Gospel Truth is engaging a culture with Christian truth, all right? Take care and God bless.